these eyes Cry every night Our church started five years ago, and I am so proud to be a part of Prodigal, a church focused in on loving God and loving people. These last five years have been the best five years of our lives, and we are hoping for, praying for, and working for the next five to be even better. And as we near the end of 2022, and we look forward to 2023 and beyond, uh, these last 40 days of this year, we're going to be doing a year-end giving push to further grow, expand, and build the ministry of Prodigal next year and beyond. Okay, Future dreams that we're giving to, uh, a permanent facility. We love meeting at the Bullard High School Theater, and it has been such a great fit, but we're working towards and praying for a permanent facility that would allow us to do so much more in our community. We're praying for more staff to meet needs. And as we continue to grow as a church, uh, so do our needs. And we'd like to invest more in our staff as well as invest in more staff. Uh, we're so blessed to have just such an incredible team here at Prodigal and we're working towards more resources for training, investing and developing new staff to further our impact. And finally, our year-end giving push, uh, we are going to invest in more acts of justice, mercy and love. We want to invest more in our current work in Southeastern Africa, adding more missionaries to our monthly support, as well as sending future teams to Malawi. Uh, the needs here in Fresno Clovis are also big, and more and more families are struggling, and we as a church work alongside of them to invest and meet their needs. We certainly can't meet every need in our community, but we hope to meet more. Would you consider a year-end gift to help make a bigger impact in 2023 and beyond? Uh, many of you will be receiving a letter in the mail this week. Please prayerfully consider a year-end gift this holiday season. And if you don't receive a letter by the end of next week, then that means you're not on our mailing list. You can be on that list by filling out the Connect card on the Prodigal Church app or on our website. Now, if you have been a part of Prodigal during any of these services these past few weeks, we've been using visual illusions, okay? Illusions are images that trick our brains into thinking that we see things clearly when in fact we do not. Take for example this image, okay? Now, believe it or not, all of the balls in this picture are the exact same color. And you believe me because I've already told you that this is an illusion, but your eyes don't believe me, okay? It is possible to think clearly and not see clearly. Now, if we change the color of the lines that are going through the balls, you can begin to see that they are the same color. And then finally, if we remove all of the colors altogether, it will confirm that indeed, all of the balls are the same color of brown. Now, I have had people who saw the table illusion from our week one um, of this sermon series uh, come up to me and say that it was edited, that there are no possible way that these two tables are the exact same size. Well, I have included these images in the sermon notes on the Prodigal app so that you can measure them yourself. Even as I have shown you week in and week out the truth of these illusions, there is a huge part of us that still can't see it because there are levels of evidence that can help us change our minds. And the levels of evidence go something like this, okay? Expert opinions, case reports, controlled studies, cohort studies, randomized controlled trials, and finally, systematic reviews. And finally, the most powerful uh, evidence-making machine, the only thing powerful enough to change how we see things 
is at the top of the pyramid, I just know. I just know is behind so much of our bias. And I just know is not loving. I just know or I am superior moves us away from people. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. We've all got these lenses on and we've all got these biases that are clouding how we see people and how we think of people. This was true in the first century as well. Look at Romans chapter 12. It says this in verse three, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, in this small verse, Paul uses some form of the Greek word phroneo, which means to think, four times. Just one verse. Uh, the two versions are hyperphroneo and sophroneo. Hyperphroneo, they have this prefix in front of it. Hyper means over or beyond, more than, okay? Uh, and to think more highly, hyperphroneo, to think more than you ought to of yourself, more than you should. And he says, instead, be sober-minded, sophroneo, safely, with boundaries, soberly, thinking realistically. We are to think realistically about ourselves, okay? There's this thing, an interesting phenomenon in psychology, uh, and it's connected to bias. It's called attribution theory. And it's, in general, it is this, that we attribute to ourselves better motivations for things than we do for other people. So I think that the struggles that I have have great explanations for them, okay? And the struggles that you have, well, it's just your fault, okay? Did you gain some weight? Well, that's because you overeat, you lazy bum. Did I gain some weight? I've got a metabolism issue, okay? I'm big boned, okay? It's genetic. Did you fail the test at school? Uh, you should have studied more, right? Again, you're a lazy bum. Did I fail the test at school? Well, you don't know what kind of week I've had, okay? I was so busy. And then the professor, he wasn't very clear anyway. Do you have a screaming child? Do I see you at the supermarket and your kid is going crazy? Well, you're a bad parent, aren't you? Do I have a screaming kid? No, no, he's just tired, okay? Did you cut me off in traffic? You cut me off, you're a jerk. Did I cut you off? Listen, I'm late for work. I have to drop the kids off at the sitter. My, kids, my boss shows no mercy. What do you want from me, okay? Cut me some slack and let me get in ahead of you. This is attribution theory and we do it all the time and it is rooted in this sense that I have I got to feel better about myself and part of that is pushing other people down for followers of Jesus the call is not to think so highly of ourselves but to think so phroneo realistically do you need to be thinking realistically this morning and Jesus changes the way I think about myself and he changes the way I think about others one of the early Christian writers was a man named Paul, and he wrote to some Christians in a town called Philippi, and he says this, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. How can we even begin to do what Paul indicates here regarding everyone else and their opinions as superior to your own? The problem is, is that I often legitimately think that my opinions are better than everyone else's. If, if your opinion was better, then I would have it right? 
believe it or not, this is the cure for judgmentalism. Now, at this point in the sermon, you're probably agreeing and thinking, yeah, that's true, okay? Uh, people are judgmental sometimes. Christians are judgmental sometimes. We've got to stop that judging thing. But you might be missing the point because the point here is not that Christians are judgmental. The point is, I'm judgmental. The point is, you're judgmental. And judgment is the antithesis of love. Love is ascribing worth on others at the cost of self, okay? That's what God does at Calvary's cross. That's what we're supposed to do as well. But in judgment, we're doing the opposite. Judgment is ascribing worth to ourselves at the cost of others. Every judgmental thought is taking worth from them and ascribing it to yourself. Because it's like, well, at least I'm not like them. We feed off the contrast. And most of the time, we don't even know we're doing it, right? Because we've got these lenses on. Judgment, it's, it's a sneaky little sin because most of the time, we don't even realize we're doing it, okay? Picture yourself at the mall, okay? Uh, Black Friday is coming up this upcoming Friday, okay? And the person you're shopping with goes to some boutique store and you're like, I'm gonna sit this one out. So you get your Orange Julius or your Cinnabon, you pop a squat on a bench, and then you're sitting there, what do you start doing? You start doing this amazing activity that we call people watching. And if you're not familiar with it, it's just as fun as it sounds, okay? You watch people go by, but that's not all. People watching, you gotta comment on their life. Comment in your mind. You see one couple, oh, what, you know, that's a sweet couple. They have such a glow about them. They surely must love Jesus. Some guy walks by with a tank top on. Okay, buddy, we all notice your muscles, okay? What a pathetic way to get attention. Plus, it's 50 degrees outside. Then you see someone else. Oh, there's a sweet smile. That, that lady there, she, oh, she's so sweet. Okay, then, the, that, then someone's wearing a, a, a political shirt. You'd vote for that guy? And you're proud of it by wearing a shirt? Dude, do you really need those extra fries? And that burger, have some self-control. Okay, pull your pants up, bro. Are you, what, you mad at your dad? Look at all those piercings. What'd you do with your hair? Look at that guy, Mr. Spiritual over there carrying a Bible. He's got this self-righteous look on his face. Yeah, I bet he's just walking around judging people. Now, I feel like I'm a pretty good guy, but inside my head, there's this gossip column, this nonstop gossip column, this commentary on the life of every person that walks by. And if we are following Jesus, we must wake up to our thoughts, wake up to our lenses. We usually aren't aware of our thoughts. We often just run on autopilot. And in the process of letting God into our thoughts, he helps me come to the realization that what I'm doing, this judging, this sinful activity, and it is sinful activity. Why? Because I'm feeding off the contrast. While I may like attracting attention to myself, uh, at least I'm not tank top guy. While I might indulge my sweet tooth fairly often, at least I'm not as heavy as that person. And the contrast is making me feel a little bit better about myself. Judgment is ascribing worth to ourselves at the cost of others. And God invades our minds and thoughts and spirits and says, agree with me that every person that walks by is worth me dying for. Paul says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I resolved to know nothing except Christ crucified. Nothing. It was a choice that he decided on beforehand. 
I will strive to treat every person the way God treats them, to view them the way God does, and the way God died for them. What would it look like for us to sit on that bench in that mall and rather than spin stories in our heads and judge, what if we were to bless them? What if we prayed, yes, that person is a child of God. Bless their lives, bless their kids, bless them, God. Bless them in Jesus' name. You died for them. That person has unsurpassable worth. What if we did that? If we choose to affirm their worth, if we valued them and viewed them through the lens of the cross, through the lens of love, it would radically change our lives. And us living in that reality just might change someone else's life as well. As Christians, before we say, do, act, or react, first try to view all things through the lens of love. Yes. Oh, how that would change our lives. Instead of snapping at our spouse, I choose to see what's best in her. Instead of throwing a fit at the restaurant because they made the wrong dish, we respond with grace and compassion, stemming from authentic love that that waiter, that that busser, that that chef has unsurpassable worth. Before speaking that insult that you know that would get a laugh at the expense of someone else, we view them through the cross of Christ. Love. That kind of love. That could change the world. We must wake up to our thoughts and let them be governed by love. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun, not because I can see it, but by it, I can see everything else. Yes, yes, love is like that. Love is light. And light is a strange thing. Is it something that we see or is it something by which we see everything else? A woman goes into a busy grocery store to get a pack of gum. And as she's getting ready to hand the checker her card, she realizes that she doesn't have her wallet, okay? She left it in the car. And she lifts her head from looking at her items. She lifts her eyes from her purse to, and she looks at him. And she says, I'm so sorry. I left my wallet in the car. She hoped that he might be a little bit understanding, fully knowing that this was a big inconvenience to him and the people behind her. And so she looked at him and she spoke. And his eyes connected to hers and he said, don't worry about it, miss. I'll take care of the gum. It's just nice to be seen. Seen? The store was packed, much like it will be uh, this upcoming Wednesday or even on Thanksgiving itself. Countless people saw him, but they saw him as an afterthought. They saw him as a job or a service. We often perceive lots of people, but we don't see anybody. Love says, look, see them, notice them. They're beautiful. They're made in the image of God. Love brings everyone into existence. That's love. Everyone matters. Everyone has ultimate worth. So the teller at the bank isn't just a means to an end. She isn't just a business transaction for you to withdraw from your account. No, she has unsurpassable worth. She's a daughter of the king. That person that you can't stand at work, when you think that that person just drives you crazy and crazy, Jesus died for that person. They're not an inconvenience to your life. 
No, they are a person that God loves and that you need to love as well. Those people on TV that you disagree with are not simply evil, unthinking people that we can blame the problems of the world on. They are precious creations of God. Jesus loves them, died for them, and they have unsurpassable worth. For too long, it's been about us versus them. Listen, Christians, we're not defined by us versus them. We're defined by us for him. That is our identity. I hope you can see clearly now that people can't see what they can't see. Our biases get in the way, surrounding us like a high wall, trapping us in ignorance, deception, and illusion. No amount of reasoning and argument will get through to us. I said this back in week one. We need to listen, learn, and love. Now, that's not the magic pill, okay? It's not gonna cure everything. This will not help us take off our lenses, but it will help us realize that we're wearing lenses, that we don't see clearly. And would you become a student, not a critic? Otherwise, you're just gonna discount every bit of information. You're gonna discount everything that doesn't fit perfectly in your current flawed worldview. If you don't listen, and if you don't learn, and if you don't listen to each other, if we don't learn from each other, we will discount anything that doesn't fit within our worldview. And we're better than that. When we quit learning, when we quit learning and growing, something bad happens on the inside. As followers of Jesus, we're past that. There are a pair of sunglasses that my daughter has. And about once a month, she comes out of her room wearing them. And she tells me how everything in our house is red, okay? And then she tells me to try them on. Put them on, Daddy. So then I put them on. And then the whole world is red, okay? Wow, would you look at that? My son Dex would come to me and he'd say, Dad, check out how blue the sky is. And I will speak with absolute clarity and I will say, Dex, the sky is not blue, they're red. Sarah walks in, hey babe, do you like this new white shirt that I got? Sarah, you look great, but the shirt is red. It's not white. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. But once we realize this, once we understand this, we can use it to our advantage and we can choose the filter by which we see the world. We can exchange filters and for the Christian, we exchange the lenses we've been wearing. We exchange the religious lenses. We exchange the Western American lenses. And we put on a lens of love. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We look at everything and everyone through the lens of the cross, through the lens of love. Not through selfishness, but through selflessness and then divisions and stereotypes and the biases and the judgments all fade in light of the cross of Jesus. We will never overcome our biases through rigorous individual rationality alone, no. Although rationality, and it certainly has its place, in the end we will discover the simple but powerful truth. We will only overcome our bias through love. When my son Dex was three, he was all about monster trucks. We played with monster trucks every single day. In one particular Wednesday afternoon, I was playing monster trucks in the front yard with my son, Dex. At the time, he was three, 
And this 11-year-old who lives down the street from us had come up to us. And we know some of our neighbors, but I'd never met this kid before. And immediately, some judgmental thoughts start running through my mind. Why would this kid want to hang out with, at the time, a 36-year-old dad and a three-year-old son? He looks like a kid who'd spend all his time playing video games or doing puzzles or math, okay? He was very awkward socially. And so all of these thoughts are running through my mind as we strike up a conversation. I asked him what grade he was in and then he asked Dex what grade he was in and I'm like, he's three, okay, he's, he's not in a grade. Turns out this kid just moved to Fresno a few months before from Southern California. And then it was like a scene from a movie. As I'm there playing with Dex, this 11-year-old says to me, I wish my dad would have played with me the way you play with your son. It's like the background music of my day changed from laughter and fun to, oh my God, this kid is hurting. So I listened and I asked him questions and my heart broke for this kid. And every couple of minutes, Dex would come up and mention something about his monster trucks. But it was as if God opened up my eyes to see something, to see someone who he loves, who Jesus died for, someone that I needed to show God's love to and show, have compassion for. I no longer saw this boy as a nuisance to my time with Dex. No, I saw in him someone who has unsurpassable worth and was worth Jesus dying for. Because of Jesus, we are to choose to love people, not to judge people. We are to truly see people, not just perceive them. We are to truly love them, not ignore them. Would you put on the lens of love? We want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next week, we begin a brand new Christmas series called Christmas Cheers, and it is going to be so much fun. What can we learn from Christmas in a bar? Okay, we're going to have a great time, um, and we want to encourage you this Thanksgiving, as you visit holidays at, with aunts and uncles and cousins, people you agree with and disagree with, could you keep your lens of love on? Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have an amazing week. Happy Thanksgiving, Prodigal Church, and peace in Ukraine.